broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for Midtown Business Radio. Good morning, everyone. It is C.W. Hall. Thank you for joining us here on the Midtown Business Radio Show. A couple of folks that have joined me in the studio in the past, but got some cool things going on to talk about. I'm joined in the studio by my neighbor, Dave Sutton, <laughs> founder of Top Right Partners. And we are overlooking the city of Atlanta from their uh, wonderful offices here in the Buckhead area. Thanks for sitting in and introducing folks to the company. Great to be here, neighbor. And we've got the CEO of Gas South, Kevin Greiner, with us here in the studio. Now, last time I had you in the studio, we were talking about some great news on behalf of Gas South with regards to being recognized by the AJC as a top place to work in the Atlanta area. That's right. Yeah. And so now we've got some new things happening at Gas South. Yet again, you are putting employees in, in front and doing some things to uh, uh, make the company that much more desirable for folks to, to be a part of. So I appreciate you stopping by. I'm interested to hear about it. Absolutely. Glad to be here. Well, let's get down into it. Um, I know that you're both really busy and, and may have some things coming up here uh, that you have against your schedule. So, so Kevin, I mean, Congratulations again on being awarded as the top place to work. But when it comes to adjusting the minimum wage for your for your workforce, talk about how that came about. I know, of course, you can't watch the news too much without that topic being uh, discussed. But there's always been much pushback about the challenges that would come with that. What what you know went through the discussions there to lead you all to say, hey, let's do this. Yeah. So uh, a couple of weeks ago, we announced our decision to raise our minimum wage at Gas South to $15 an hour. And it was primarily a decision that affected our customer care representatives who under that threshold, many of them were. And um, it was really a recognition on behalf of our company and our leadership team that the folks who serve as the voice in the ears of the company, our customer care associates, uh, needed to be the very best that they could be. You know, we needed to be able to attract and retain the very best team. It's one of the ways that we as a natural gas marketer differentiate our approach in the market is based on that human interaction that occurs. And we felt like it was an area that we needed to continue to invest in. And part of that investment is uh, making sure that your folks are uh, well-paid so that you can attract and retain the best and brightest customer service professionals in the Atlanta area. And so that was really a big decision for us. The other factor I think that also drove it besides that kind of business idea was that uh, we're a very close knit group of folks at Gas South. You know, we kind of say that our company is like family. We felt that uh, making that commitment to our employees that a $15 minimum wage was something that we believed in. I believe that our folks deserve it. So from a personal standpoint, it meant a lot to me. And we were just glad to be able to do it. And to uh, and it obviously, you know, resonated well with our folks, not only because they got a raise, but also because what it said about the company and what we value as an organization. A little over 200 employees at the company. How many are affected by this change? So it's about a quarter of our workforce. So around 50 people or so. Uh, we traditionally brought in customer care representatives at thirteen eighty five an hour. That was the base pay. There's also commissions and bonus and benefits and things like that. So that increase to fifteen dollars is a little over eight percent raise. So a lot of folks came into work uh, a couple of weeks ago, and suddenly, you know, they had an eight percent raise, uh, which was off cycle for us. You know, we do raises every year in the summertime, but this was an additional. 
uh, raise for them that they certainly weren't expecting. And uh, you know, I was a pretty popular guy that day in the office. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, back I remember back in the days uh, long ago, back in uh, 1990, when I was getting into nursing. At that point in time, there was a big shortage, and I got two or three raises uh, as the hospitals were battling to attract and retain nursing staff. And we didn't see those coming; they would just let us know about it. So your your folks didn't have any idea that this was in the works behind the leadership's uh, yeah. meetings until you got to deliver it. That's right. Yeah, we kept it a pretty good secret and uh, we sprung it on everybody uh, as well as the media. And it really did resonate uh, extremely well. You know, I, I tell everybody, people have asked me, you know, is this a political statement? Because that $15 you know, minimum wage that you talked about, CW, and, you know, the, 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 the politics around that. Yeah. And I said, it's not a political statement. This is a gas south statement. Uh, we fully realize that every business must make their own decisions. You know, I'm a businessman. I don't like mandates and things like that. Uh, so it was really looking at our workforce, what we value, what we could afford to do, and also what we felt the benefits would be in terms of lower training costs, higher productivity, a higher degree of financial well-being, which ultimately translates into employees that are more focused at work and more able to serve customers when they don't have to worry about, hey, when am I going to you know, get paid so I can pay my next bill? And while this won't solve all of those issues, it goes a little bit of a ways towards doing so. And so this was very much a business as well as a humanistic decision. When we talk about the, the whole notion of the minimum wage, and you, you mentioned the fact that almost a fourth of your workforce was affected by this change and to the tune of about 8%, you're saying increased cost. In your opinion, as a leader, does that, how does that affect the rest of your workforce? Does it, does it, I mean, because I know that's what's been kind of kicked around is that, you know, many of the places out there in the rest of the business community that they're talking about making such a change for are from the, I guess, the set of requirements that are needed to take a particular position. Most of these jobs that they're looking at are very entry level. They don't have Mm -hmm. to have a lot of education or training prior to taking that. Um, In your opinion, how does that, how does making this kind of change for that group of employees, does it do anything around how you have to look at the rest of the workforce stacked on top of that now? You know, it's a great question. And some folks uh, on our leadership team and others that I've spoken with have said, well, how did the 75% of the people of the workforce who didn't get a raise feel about the fact that the other 25% did? One of the real affirmative signs that we got that this was really a, a good decision for us was how many of the folks who didn't get a raise were among the most vocal saying, this is really great. Mm. I'm so happy for my colleagues. I know what an extra dollar an hour can do in terms of, you know, helping to create, you know, more financial security and that kind of thing. So really the best feedback that we got was not from the people who were getting the raise. It was from the people who didn't get one, but they were really happy for their colleagues and recognized how important it was. I haven't heard of other companies in our area doing this yet. Are you familiar with any other businesses that have have, stepped up like this? Yeah, I have not heard of any so far. I'm sure there are companies out there that already pay everybody in their workforce over $15 an hour. You know, you look at all the professional services companies and uh, organizations like that that have a higher paid workforce overall. So I'm sure they exist, but I haven't heard of any yet that have committed to kind of bringing a substantial portion of their workforce up to that level like we did. How long has this been in the works for you? I'm sure it's a decision that you have to really weigh and vet out before you can make it. Yeah, at Gas South, we were thinking about it for a few months and thinking about different ways that we could continue on our journey to be a best place to work. You know, you mentioned that we got on 
a list with the AJC. Our goal is not just to make the list, but to be at the top of the list. Financial security is one of those areas, along with some of the other um, things that you hear a lot about, work-life flexibility, career development, those sorts of things that we're continuing to work on as well. But it, this decision to uh, commit to a $15 minimum wage at Gas South was right in line with our goal to be a number one place to work. It's part of our Vision 2020 that uh, we talk about at mm-hmm. Gas South. And so this was right in line with trying to make that happen. Refresh, folks memories of what you're talking about with regards to your 2020 initiative? Yeah, so our vision 2020 is to be the Southeast's number one retail gas provider to be a number one place to work and offer a number one customer experience. And when you think about it, those three things go together. To be a the number one gas provider, you need to offer a number one customer experience. Otherwise, customers won't choose you as their provider. And then to offer a number one customer experience, a big piece of that is having a terrific team that is interacting with your customers day in and day out, whether that's on the phone, uh, online, face-to-face. And so these three goals, number one gas provider, number one customer experience, number one place to work, really go hand in hand. They depend upon each other. And so uh, this is one of the key pillars for how we can be uh, you know, uh, um, successful as a company going forward. You mentioned the fact that even though you're raising the wage of a substantial group of employees at the company by as much as 8%, that in the end, you're actually going to save some costs uh, across the enterprise as well. Talk about how that's going to flow. Yeah, absolutely. So it costs us about $10,000 to train a new customer care representative. Uh, We have a long process. It's a three-month period, some classrooms, some kind of job shadowing, some coaching to really get them comfortable. So it's a three-month period which costs approximately $10,000 per employee. If we can cut our overall rate of um, employee churn Mm -hmm. in the customer care area by about a quarter, so take it from, say, where it is today, 20% down to 15%, we will fully pay for the raise that we just announced. Then you add into that the uh, benefits that we expect to see in terms of uh, better close rates on sales because you're going to have a better team that's able to articulate gas out's value proposition to customers and the ability to save more customers, in essence, retain customers for the long term because you're providing them with a higher level of service. Each of those benefits we think is going to probably generate $100,000, $150,000 a year of additional benefits. So when you look at the overall cost of the business, which is about 100000 a year, and you have those three areas of benefits, you know, less training costs, the ability to gain more customers and the, better, and the ability to retain more customers. Those three things we think will earn an ROI of three to four times what we're doing in terms of raising wages. So, you know, the jury's out on that. We'll see how we do. We'll see if our, you know, employee churn goes down. We'll see if we're able to retain more customers. We'll see how our close rates do. But I am optimistic that in all three cases, we'll see real benefits. And therefore, this is not a situation where you're talking about raising costs, it's actually reducing the cost of doing business, which ultimately makes us more competitive as a company, allows us to offer even better rates to our customers. Certainly gives our other colleagues in the business community around the area something to look at, something to keep their eye on, see how it's flowing for you. And uh, going back to our 
early part of the conversation where I mentioned the fact that Gas South has already been awarded uh, with recognition around being a top place to work in Atlanta. Talk about the culture at Gas South and and why the move that you're making here with regards to bringing the the lower end of the, the minimum wages that you're going to be offering to the $15 mark. Right. Our, our culture is very collaborative. It's based on a really high degree of teamwork. We have something that we call the Gas South Way. It has four key principles to offer a, um, an amazing customer experience, to create win-win relationships, to challenge the status quo, and to cultivate a high-performance workplace and work environment. And those four things we think about um, a lot. Any decision that we make, we look through the lens of the Gas South Way and say, hey, is this going to further the Gas South Way? Is it going to help us to make progress in each of those four areas or some combination thereof? Or do we see it as um, in contradiction in some aspects of the Gas South Way? And we really challenge ourselves to make sure the things that we're doing are leading us towards making progress in those areas. And culture for us is very important. And we, we, we have a lot of workplace policies, I think, that really reinforce that. Um, we also introduced a sabbatical program this year where every five years, folks get a four-week block of paid leave to do something that they always wanted to do, but never expected they'd have the opportunity to do while they were working. You know, those sorts of things where you say, well, maybe one day when I'm in between things, I'll go to Bali. Well, now you can actually go to Bali, you can get refreshed and you can come back to Gas South and continue your career with us. So that was a aspect of something that we were really trying to, to, to introduce that would also create more work-life flexibility, more personal satisfaction in addition to you know what we offer in the in the workplace itself and we also believe very strongly in incentive pay so when the company does well uh, we have an incentive plan that uh, everybody is covered by in the in the company and uh, we're big believers in that so while our um, our base pay is good the incentive pay is really what uh, makes people uh, excited about the success of the company how we're doing everybody's very focused on the profitability of the organization because they realize a piece of that is going to accrue to them at the end of the year in terms of the uh, the bonus program definitely a company on the grow over 320 million dollars in revenues last year serving over 300,000 customers between Georgia and Florida what's the competitive landscape looking like it sounds like the way that you're approaching at gas south your internal culture is one that will certainly attract uh, internal talent, but it would seem that as you're talking about, would have some measure of, of value and those outreaching, you know, efforts that you yeah. have. What's your what, what what are you up against with regards to competition? Yeah, so, so competitive retail energy, which is kind of the business that we're in. You know, we're, we're we're selling energy in markets where customers have a choice of providers, and so we need to be on the top of our game every day, uh, trying to acquire customers, trying to retain customers. The way we differentiate in our industry is on the basis of rate plans. So price, uh, customer service, your brand and reputation, and your channel partnerships that you have, how you get introduced to prospective customers on a day in and day out basis. So we're always working those four levers very hard. We're trying to figure out, you know, what are the strategies that uh, we need to have to make sure that we're really well positioned in those four areas, again, of price, customer service, channel partnerships, and our, our brand, our reputation, the awareness, basically, of the company among consumers. Those are the things that we're focused on. And clearly, in all areas, the quality of your team has a big impact on how well you're doing. We don't have hard assets. We don't own 
utility infrastructure. We don't um, um, operate the um, pipelines. We don't have the um, trucks and the, the guys who are out there doing the field service orders. Those are all done by the utility company that we operate behind. So in Georgia, that would be Atlanta Gaslight. In Florida, there are four other distribution companies that we serve customers through. But um, in so in all cases, you know, because we're such an asset light company, it really is about the people, you know, and that always is a cliche, you know, our people are our greatest resource, but at a place <laughs> like Gas South, it's really one of our only assets when you think about it, you know, because we don't have a lot of the other hard assets that a lot of other businesses may kind of pin their hopes on and say, this is how we, you know, are going to continue to be strong for us. It's really about having the best possible team that uh, is highly motivated, highly skilled, and uh, focused on basically growing our business and serving our customers well. Any particular facets that a business or an enterprise or a manufacturing company would need to know? Because I know that industrial clients and, and business clients are certainly a part of the, the community that you serve. Yeah, absolutely. So we are always focused on providing exceptional value on energy to our customers. And uh, natural gas, I think, is a um, area with a lot of um, um, terrific future. You look at the price of natural gas relative to other energy forms, and uh, it's very competitive, um, very low. It's domestically produced. Uh, we're producing more and more of it in the United States all the time. People kind of refer to us as the Saudi Arabia of natural gas, and it's true. We produce more natural gas than uh, any other country in the world uh, today. That wasn't the case 10 years ago, but it is the case today. So we're very bullish on natural gas. We're also uh, uh, very uh, happy with the role that we can help to play in, in helping our customers to save money and to manage their energy bills and to, in essence, reduce their costs of doing business and to help them manage the risk. And that's one of the big things that we do as well, really creating rate plans and structures, especially for our commercial and industrial customers that... Uh, insulate them from any prospective increases in natural gas prices going forward. So we have a lot of large customers who continue to lock in a price for three, even five years out. And we oh, can wow. do that as mm -hmm. a company, given our strength financially and our risk management capabilities to be able to, in essence, take that risk off of them. We will now manage it and, uh, in essence, allow them to keep a big part of their overall cost structure stable over a long period of time. I would imagine that's quite important for the for the business and manufacturing sector. Just a few points of, of difference in, in return in regard to their cost can make a big impact on profitability. So that's a, a great feature. Yeah, it can. And, and it really even goes beyond manufacturers. You look at other big gas users like hospitals mm -hmm. and um, but even even folks like restaurants, you know, who are operating on um, oftentimes relatively thin profit margins, the ability to get some um, price um, certainty in energy costs and to see those costs come down year after year, which they have over the last few years uh, in, with natural gas. It really helps those uh, businesses to operate more profitably and it takes what could be a major concern for them off their plates. And now they can really focus on their core business, which is, of course, you know, serving more customers themselves. So we um, really believe strongly in helping our, our customers to manage the energy uh, portion of their balance sheet and then also to try to give them other sources of value. So we'll try to market new restaurants. You know, we have a very active social media presence. 
with Facebook and Twitter and uh, LinkedIn. And we're always trying to really feature some of our customers and the things that they're doing out in the community and the businesses that they're trying to launch as a way to help them grow their top line in addition to helping them to manage the cost side of the equation. Talk about where folks can go to get information about Gas South if they want to learn more or perhaps turn to you for a provider of energy. Absolutely. So uh, gassouth.com has everything that you need. You can actually enroll online and then manage your account online. Uh, you can also give us a call. Uh, that's always uh, possible as well. It's uh, totally up to the, the customer and how they want to do things. But I would say for the best source of information, going to um, going to gassouth.com. Also, for those that are interested in positions with Gas South, we always have career opportunities there. You can go to gassouth.com slash careers and see what types of openings we have. And uh, we're always looking to add uh, great people to our team. I'm really pleased to be able to have you join us in the studio, Kevin, to talk about the fact that you're one of the first, if not the first, to say we're going to have a minimum wage in our city at $15 an hour for our employees. And as you said, that affected as many as 25% of your employees to the tune of as much as 8% uh, over what I was making last week. So <laughs> uh, congratulations to you and your employees and and your continued uh, evolution as a company and making news around uh, good things that are going on at the company. So I'm really pleased to have have you here and be able to talk about this with you and to talk about telling stories. Uh, we've got Dave Sutton here. I met Dave actually through the show a while back. What is it? Almost two years ago. Probably two now. years ago. Man, yeah. that's kind of crazy. And so talk about TopRite a little bit for the companies that aren't familiar. That's part of what you do. You help them tell their stories both internally when that's part of what they need to do, as well as helping them face the the world that they're dealing with as an enterprise. Right. I mean, we, um, and it's interesting we're talking about Gas South today because we're, we're very um, focused on helping brands build the right story, the right strategy, the right systems. And it's very tough, I think, when you're in an industry like natural gas, it's a commodity, basically. Yeah. You know, having a really powerful story and a way to distinguish yourself becomes critical. And through your people, the user experience, the customer experience that you're defining, Kevin, I thought that was, um, you know, bravo, really well done. Thank you. Um, the, the other thing I thought that was interesting about what you said was how you're beginning to start to make the customer the hero. I think when you're in a business where you make stuff, you know, or, or you're distributing stuff, it's easy to become really focused on how do I distinguish my product from somebody else's product. And I love the way that you're thinking about distinguishing the benefits for your customer and letting the customer tell the story. I, I mean, I, I applaud that because there are very few brands that actually think that way. Um, a lot of times we get hung up on telling the features and functions and benefits from our perspective. And when you can turn it around and the brand becomes the Sherpa, right? You're, you're carrying the load for your customer and you're making the customer the hero. That's a very, very powerful and, and great way to differentiate the brand. Um, and that's what we do at TopRite. And, and you know this, CW, because you, you hang out with us and see us this stuff going on every day in the, in the office here. But um, it's helping brands really find their story that's authentic and then telling that story in a way that's compelling from the customer's perspective. And it, it, it's all about the people. I think that's a big part of it. Uh, it's also all about really trying to understand from the customer's perspective um, and you know, using real insight to understand how they make decisions. You know, around here, we call it the buy way. You know, how do they actually go through the buying process? What's their journey? And the more that you can map, you know, your the, the way that you want to sell to the way they want to buy, you know, the, the success rate goes way up. Um, so very pleased to, to be here as, as always. And uh, this was a great story. I'm glad I was able to listen in. What is the impetus behind the name TopRight? 
Oh gosh. Um, great. Yeah. We've been in business 10 years. So sometimes I, I have to go back to the archives of my own stories, <laughs> right. To, to remember the, um, the top right story, it's actually a little bit of a tongue in cheek joke on ourselves because every consulting firm that's out there, whether you think about the McKinsey, the Baines, the BCGs of the world, everyone's always got a two by two quadrant and you never want to be in the bottom left, right? Mm-hmm. It's about, right. You know, for whatever reason, you know, whether it's profits, growth, whatever the, whatever the, uh, the axes are. That's like that double to negative. To be it's down double down. negative. Yeah, you don't want to be bottom left. You don't want to be top left. You want to be top right. And yeah. that's um, so a little bit tongue in cheek in that we, you know, we as consultants use these two by twos. But more importantly, that top right quadrant is kind of what we aspire for our clients. We want them, whether they measure, you know, the axes are growth and profitability or, um, you know, even things like uh, attraction of, of people, getting the best people, the best experience, the best delivery, you know, everybody wants to be in that top right quadrant. So we aspire to help our clients move into that, that uh, quadrant. Talk about the process that you go through with, with a client that you engage with through Top Right Partners Day, because I know one of the things that you've done um, with some of your clients is one, yes, you've helped them tell their story, but there's been times where you've even helped them revise what it, what do they look like? What is their story? I mean, maybe they were, as you talked about, they were telling their story from the wrong perspective. They were thinking about it internally rather than from from what the client sees or needs. Yeah, I mean, we always start with, I mean, the very first thing CW we do is we, we make sure we're aligned on destination. Because I think, listening to Kevin talk this morning, it's clear that Gas South has a vision for 2020. They've got a very clear destination in mind. So before you just launch off and start changing communications or changing programs for your employees, it's important to ground everybody on where are we going with this business? Where are we going with this brand? And at Top Right, we tend to, we tend to talk in terms of not just where we want to go, but where we want to go with our customer. So destination is all about not just the business results, you know, how much we're going to grow, how much more profitable we're going to be, but also how's the customer going to think, feel, and act differently when we get there. So when you get to 2020, what actually is the outcome from their perspective? You know, mm-hmm. how, what, what functional benefits are they going to experience? What emotional benefits are they going to experience because of an enhanced customer experience, for example? And then try to put some rigor around that so we're not just, you know, um, you know, put it, making that look pretty on a PowerPoint chart or something, but how do we make it really something that the company can get grounded and support behind? So as a CEO of a company, a lot of times you need your playbook, right? You need, you need to be able to refer back to that destination. So you can say, we, we talk about it in terms of saying no productively, meaning if people want to go this way, You've got a way to say, you know, well, show me where that is in our destination. Show me where, how that gets us to where we want to go. And, you know, you don't want to shut down creativity, but sometimes bright, shiny objects are not the things to chase, you know, especially when you're in a commodity industry where every penny matters. You've got to find ways to say productively, you know what, that doesn't fit with our destination. But what may fit there or may, may get us there faster would include X, Y, and Z. So a lot of our work is about defining that destination very clearly so that it just makes it easy for the CEO to, um, to help you know, guide the business and, and move them in the right direction. What facets of my business or enterprise are you going to help me with? Uh, are, we, are we talking about things down to what my logo looks like, taglines, different things like that, in addition to the channels that I'm putting my message out in, what that message is, what, what all are you going to help me with? Yeah, those are things, I mean, again, you have to be a little careful that we don't let the tail wag the dog, right? So some sometimes marketing gets kind of boiled down to logos and taglines and colors, and yeah. those things are really important, don't get me wrong. But if we don't start with the story and the strategy by which we're going to tell that story in the marketplace, you can, you know, 
colors and logos are not the things that are really going to stand out and, mm-hmm. and change the way a customer makes a decision. So we, we talk about transformational marketing as opposed to transactional marketing. By the way, that's not a good or bad. That's just different, mm-hmm. right? There, you need both. Transformational marketing is around really fundamentally shifting the way the organization, the, the, the market, the customer think differently about the brand, right? Um, transactional is how that comes to life. So yeah, ultimately the things we do do land in um, logos and and colors and and campaigns, but if you get there by taking a shortcut, meaning you forget about what the story is, you forget about the customer, it just ends up being very expensive noise in the market. So we we guide our clients away from just kind of jumping into uh, the transactional aspect of marketing. You know, Dave, it's amazing that you mentioned that because we're actually going on a journey in that direction too in our customer care operation. Um, we felt like we were overly transactional in how we interacted with our customers, especially over the telephone, but also through some of our other means and uh, are moving towards a transformational model, which is much more relationship-based, much more relational, um, really comprised of things like active listening and empathy and mm-hmm. um, you know, first call resolution and being less scripted less kind of, okay, you know, I'm going to check the box, make sure I say all of these things and really just have the call be a terrific experience, one that exceeded the customer's expectations. So I think from a marketing and customer service standpoint, we're even taking it to the next level and looking at our internal relationships at Gas South and saying, mm-hmm. we need to be more transformational as a leadership team and less transactional because we're all customers of one another around the office. So it's not just a good external lens. It's really an internal one too, to kind of look in the mirror and say, well, wait a second, are we being transformational, transactional when we're, you know, interacting in the office and uh, trying to move the needle? So um, kudos to you on that uh, area. And I think it is an area that a lot of companies don't kind of stand back and really think about, you know, you just got to get things done all the time and you just, you know, you're running, running, running. And the ability to actually, you know, build relationships with your customers, with your employees are things that sometimes get left on the cutting room floor. And we're trying to really be very, very assiduous and kind of saying, no, let's make sure that that comes front and center. Yep. I would imagine in a place where, as, as you were talking about earlier, Dave, when you're talking about a commodity where it's always about price, 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 that everybody can give a cheap price, but being able to, as you're talking about, really engage from a customer service perspective, I know that for many, they're, they're, some are willing to pay a little more just because of that customer service element, because that'll be the piece that keeps them from having to deal with some sort of an outage or other issues that can get resolved quickly just because the customer service element is there. Yeah. In, in marketing, we always talk about how if, if the only conversation you're having is about price, it means you've lost relevance, right? And, and the, the challenge, I think, in, in the market today is that so many things have become commoditized. And it's not just in the energy sector, as you know so well, Kevin. A lot of things are, are basically kind of being boiled down to the basics of, of functionality and, and kind of the, the price always becomes the, the deciding factor. By the same token, I mean, we work with clients that are in the... Um, you know, the metals industry. We work with clients that are in HVAC support. We, you know, a lot of B2B businesses where we're able to create a very powerful point of difference where price is always going to be part of that decision-making process, but that's not the only reason why. Mm-hmm. And, and I think the, the key to success for a lot of companies, and, and Kevin was, was pointing on some of these things very, uh, clearly has, has illuminated a lot of this for us today. You know, it is about the people. It is about the way that the experience unfolds. You know, it is about total cost of ownership. So for that restaurant operator, for that hospital, 
the, the fact that they pay, you know, three cents or less for a therm or whatever, whatever the measure is, mm-hmm. is not the factor. It's if the power goes out, if we don't have, you know, support, if we, for whatever reason, we can't deliver on our mission, that's a one or a zero, right? It doesn't, the mm-hmm. price no longer matters. We're either in business or not in business. Mm-hmm. And those are the types of things where I think a, a, a commodity player can actually create a value proposition that's uh, very compelling, you know, that, that we, you know, not only, you know, measure our success by how much the regulator says we can charge or whatever, we measure our success based on our client, our customer success and their ability to deliver their, on their mission. Yeah. And that's why making the customer the hero is so critical because if, if other people see that Piedmont hospitals, lights are always on because of gas south or, or, you know, they're always able to deliver on their mission. That's much more compelling than just, you know, three cents of, uh, you know, a, a click, right? right and that's right, that's yeah. what we're trying to get out of. We don't want to have as a marketer, that's sort of the um, uh, death spiral when all you're talking about is your, you know, price per pound as we talk, we, you know, mm-hmm. in terms of steel, for example. I know not too long ago, you had been doing a, a little bit of a series where you've been talking to marketing leaders uh, a, a little bit in some video and other conversations. Can you talk a little bit about that effort, or what that series is all about, who you're looking to engage with and, and what you're trying to help convey? Yeah, we've got we've got a, a video series that we just launched this year. So so thanks for bringing that up again. That was great. Um, it's called Transformational Marketers or Transformative CMO. Uh, and what we're doing is we're, we're really taking a spoonful of our own medicine, quite frankly. We're going out to our clients, CMOs and VPs of marketing, senior marketers, who we believe are really making a difference, who are, who are looking at things much in the way Kevin was describing uh, as a transformational leader, not a transactional leader, and getting them to tell stories you know, about their own business, about their own personal journey. Um, for a lot of chief marketing officers today, this it's hard it's a hard job because you're under constant pressure to deliver results. Right. Um, you don't get to mess up. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, you know, you, you're, the scrutiny is on you every day and the budgets are, are, are being cut, you know, largely That's one of the first things they yeah, go to. is Exactly. Marketing budgets, so if, yeah. if your business is struggling, I mean, marketing and sales is the area where usually, you know, you see the immediate cuts. So to be a transformational leader in that type of environment, you, you've got to be pretty ballsy, quite frankly. I mean, you've got to be a strong-willed character. And what we're finding is, um, for our business in particular, we those types of leaders work extremely well with us because we're willing to help them take risks, but we also have their back, right? And the video series is about um, really letting them tell their story in a way that is aspirational, but also, you know, it can be something that another CMO out there can look at and go, you know, I'm not alone. You know, this is something that that uh, other people are fighting fighting with in their businesses, and they can make a difference. You don't have to sit on your hands and be, you know, just focused on what the agency is doing today with the logo or, or uh, you know, what campaign we're running on on LinkedIn. Um, you know, we can think bigger, and I think that's what that's what the the video series is all about. Where do folks go and be able to consume that? Yeah, um, well, YouTube, obviously, topwritepartners.com uh, uh, slash YouTube. Uh, also, um, on our website, topwritepartners.com, and our blog, uh, Topright Blog. All of those, um, everything, we're, again, we take a spoonful of our own medicine, so all of our media is kind of, we talk we talk about the hub, and the hub is really the Topright Partners website. So I know you put good information out on LinkedIn as well through, through posts there, and, and we certainly help some of the other folks who find that as well. Any other sources of information that folks should know about with regards to TopRite and your work? Um, that's pretty much it. Those are the, I mean, LinkedIn is kind of our primary publishing post. Um, so at TopRite Partner, uh, follow us on Twitter. We publish, generally speaking, twice a week. 
And uh, like I said, most of our content is not about us. It's about our clients and the work, the great work that they're doing. So um, we're, we're big believers in, you know, taking a spoonful of our own medicine and make it, making our business about the success we generate for our clients. Well, I know you both have full schedules. I've kept you tied up for a little bit. Um, final thoughts before I let you get back to the office? No, I mean, this was, this was very refreshing. I mean, I, I, I didn't know what to expect today when, when I saw the, the speaker that you had, but it's, I'm very proud that Gas South is, is heading in this direction, Kevin, because I think um, uh, in, in an industry that, like we've talked about today, that's a commodity-based industry, um, the people and the, the way that you create a brand um, is your source of differentiation. So uh, kudos. I think you're doing a great job. Yeah, and I loved hearing the stories from Dave, too. It sounds like uh, they got some great things going on and how apropos that you know you guys are talking about transformative marketing and we're <laughs> on that same journey talking about you know transformative customer care transformative leadership and really trying to move to you know a more relationship based approach being less transactional in what we do i think there's a lot of legs for those ideas you know i think that a lot of companies are really looking at it and i always say to our folks look you know, we're going to be together for eight, 10 hours a day, we ought to enjoy being with each other. Absolutely. We ought to like each other. You know? <laughs> Absolutely. And if it's all about just walking past each other and you know, too busy to you know, get to know one another, well, that's a shame and a real lost opportunity. So I think we're really working hard to get to know our customers better and trying to get to know each other a little better too. Well, congratulations again on being a top place to work. Now you're that much more of a top place to work here in the Atlanta area. Also one of the uh, early adopters for taking a hard look at the minimum wage that their company is offering for employees coming on board with them. And uh, it's cool to have you here in the studio and, and talk a, about how you're doing it, why you're doing it, that uh, it's not just an additional cost, that you actually saw some some true business benefits for the employee as well as the enterprise itself as to why you made this change that was pretty significant on the top line. So, um, uh, kudos to you all to taking that brave step and, and doing that. I look forward to uh, following along and see how, how many other enterprises in the Atlanta area start keeping an eye on what you're doing and maybe emulating you a little yeah, bit. Yeah, it will be interesting. And uh, if you've not done so already, make sure you go to the upper left-hand corner of the show page. There's an Apple logo there that'll take you over to the Top Docs, or to the Top Docs, to the Midtown Business Radio Show podcast and subscribe to us. That way, each week when the new episode comes out, it's downloaded straight to your device, ready for you to listen to when it's convenient for you. And we hope you turn around and share this information. It might just be putting some uh, information in the hands of somebody that means something to you that makes a big difference in their personal or professional lives. So for the folks that go to the effort of clicking share, we want to say thanks so much in advance. Guys, I really appreciate Dave Sutton and Kevin Greiner of uh, Gas South sitting in with us today talking about some of the cool things they've got going on. We'll have to have you back. Thanks. Love to be back, CW. Thanks, and CW. Everybody out there that made us a part of their day today, I want to say thanks so much. We really appreciate it. We look forward to catching up with you same time, same place next week. We'll see you then. <laughs>